The word redeemed, first of all, this is what Jesus did for us. He redeemed us. He's our redeemer. He redeemed us. That word redeemed means ransomed. To ransom somebody is to pay a price for them to recover them from the power of another. That's what Jesus did for us. He paid the price to recover us, to buy us from the control and the power of the enemy. We have been ransomed. We've been redeemed. It also means that to liberate, liberate is to free, to liberate us, to deliver us. And there's a bunch of things on the list that's on your paper. To deliver us from bondage. We're going to talk about some of that tonight. To deliver us from penalty or punishment. To deliver us from liability. That means instead of us being responsible for payment or for judgment, we're no longer responsible. Because Jesus, our Redeemer, took the judgment for us. We are no longer under liability. That's been removed from us. We've been delivered from liability. And we've been delivered from the possession of another. We've been redeemed. This message has such a powerful truth. And my heart is to, is to share with you the fullness of the truth. So that we can begin to see ourselves as we are. Not through the eyes of our past. Not through the eyes of our present even if it's not the fullness of God. But through the eyes of the truth of the word. And what Jesus has already accomplished, past tense, for us. I'm going to make a statement. Now I want you to, I'm going to say it twice because I really want this to sink in. Your understanding, my understanding of our redemption through Jesus will determine what we're able to receive from God. Our knowledge, our understanding, our rhema of the truth of redemption will make a difference in what we receive. Not just in the eternal life after we die, but today, in our here and in our now. Because this truth is a truth that has been whitewashed. It's been watered down. It's been distorted. It's been, um, and I bought it, guys. I, I'll tell you this as I teach. I bought some of the stuff. I, that's one of the reasons I want to teach it. I want this so deep in me that it is just flows out of me. Because out of my heart, my mouth speaks. So I want it in my heart so that it can come out of my heart and minister to all of you and to me as well. So I'm going to I'm going to start with the scripture. This is Hebrews 9:12. I'm going to give lots of scriptural evidence for what I'm speaking. Hebrews 9:12 says, "With his own blood, with Jesus's own blood, not the blood of goats or calves. Jesus entered the most holy place once for all times." And secured our redemption forever. This is old covenant versus better covenant. This is old covenant with the law, with the sacrificial system, with the, the blood of the goats and the lambs. 
that was, that was sacrificed to cover sin, to atone for sin. But the barrier of sin was always there. The power of sin was always there. The separation from God was there. But with the redemption of Jesus, with what Jesus did as the sacrificial lamb, once, he didn't have to do it more than once. He died once, right? He died many years ago. It, I used to say 2000, but now we're in 2017. So he died 2017 plus years ago. He died a long time. He only did it once. And that's definitely past tense. The scripture says he secured, he secured our redemption forever. So I'm going to pose three questions right now because these three questions I think will help frame where you are, where I am right now in our walk. Here's the first one. Have you allowed the world to define who you are instead of God? Have you allowed the world to tell you maybe you're not smart or you're not good enough or you're a loser? I'm just putting stuff out there. Or that for whatever reason, you know, that just runs in your family. Or you're timid. That's what I was told when I was growing up. Have you been told things? Have you bought what the world says instead of what the word says? As I share about who we are as the redeemed of the Lord, you're going to see that often what we've believed, because that's what we've been told by the world, it doesn't line up with the truth. So are you believing that, that thing that you've been told by the world or that you've experienced, or are you believing the, the word? Here's the second question. Have you allowed life experiences to mold your belief instead of the word of truth? Have you allowed life experiences to mold what you believe? Have you allowed life experiences to mold your faith, your, your belief, your convictions? Or have you allowed the word? Because if it doesn't line up, you're believing the wrong thing. Again, as I share about the fullness of redemption, the fullness of what we have as the redeemed of the Lord, you're going to see that if it doesn't line up, when you start believing the truth of your redemption, it's going to put you in a whole different place to receive. Because we receive through our believing. So if your believing is skewed because of life experiences, then you're not receiving all that God has for you. Maybe you're believing that because of the woundedness of your past, because of the trauma that you've lived through, it's affecting you today because of that trauma, because of that wound, because of that issue of life. <laughs> Good news. That's the old you. That's the old creation. If you're a daughter or a son of the king, you have the son and daughter's inheritance. That's not yours anymore. You have a new inheritance. You're reborn with a whole new inheritance because you're redeemed. Here's a third question. Are you unknowingly holding yourself in bondage when you've already been set free? 
We're going to talk about some specific bondages over this week and next week. Are you holding yourself in a place of bondage? Thinking that, okay, this is, this is where I am right now. This is my position in life. When you've been set free and you're buying the lie of bondage. Maybe it's in bondage to uh, an addiction. Maybe it's in bondage to a, a poor marriage relationship. Maybe it's in bondage to sickness. Maybe it's in bondage to lies. Maybe it's in bondage to, to um, fear. Are you holding yourself in bondage when you've been redeemed? I'm going to share three scriptures about being free because this is truth. Truth trumps all those lies, even though those lies seem really real. Truth trumps it. Here's the first scripture, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, emancipation from bondage, and true freedom. So let me, let me first of all define this word, because this really helped me to understand the scripture. It says that there's liberty and emancipation from bondage. Emancipation means to free from someone else's control or power. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And that means freedom from someone else's control or power. That's the enemy. If we're born again, we have that freedom. True freedom. Now the first part says, the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. When we receive Jesus as our Savior, the Spirit of the Lord is united with our spirit, and we become one. We are never again separated. We are sealed. Our spirit is sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in us. We have the Spirit. If you're a child of God, if you've accepted, and we're going to talk about what that means, if you've accepted Jesus and his sacrifice, you have the spirit of Lord in you. Therefore, you have liberty. That's truth. That's part of redemption. Liberty. Romans 8, 2 says, For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, has freed me from the law of sin and death. So the law of our new being, our, when we're reborn, we have the law of the spirit of life. And we've been freed from the law of sin and death. That was the old covenant. Separation from God, sin, eternal death, eternal separation. We don't live in that covenant anymore. We're now in the spirit of life. The fullness of life. Jesus came to give us a full life, an abundant life. And we've been freed from one and transferred into the other. That's what the scripture says. And that is truth. The third scripture, John 8, 36. If, so if the son makes you free, then you are unquestionably free. Period. We are free. But your understanding of your freedom your understanding of redemption will determine what you live in, what you, 
what you receive today and for your life now. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. Stand fast in that freedom by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't put yourself back into bondage. Don't buy the lie of bondage. Because you have been set free. But if you don't know what that freedom is, then you very often we're in bondage unknowingly. That's why I think this teaching on redeemed, being redeemed is so powerful. I think we're all going to take a bigger step. I know I am taking a huge giant step forward in my walk with God, in my believing. And I've been a big time believer, but I, I, I just feel like I'm taking a, a big giant step in my own believing. Okay, so today I'm going to talk about two different areas where we've been redeemed. And then next week, I'm going to continue sharing more areas of our redemption. Today, I'm going to talk primarily about the redemption of our spirit. And then the next two, the next week, I'm going to talk more about the redemption of our soul and of our body. So first point, we've been redeemed from the power and from the effects of sin. We've been redeemed from the power of sin. And we've been redeemed from the effects of sin. Now, we're going to talk more about the effects of sin next week. Today, we're going to talk mostly about the power of sin. Some of this you've already heard. But I'm also going to reveal some lies that are kind of hidden under the surface that I think will bring some things to the focus so that we can get rid of any residue of lies that we may have been holding on to, including me, and replacing it with the fullness of truth so we can stand in our position as a son and a daughter. So... Here's some good news. Sin is no longer an issue with God. Uh-uh. Sin is no longer an issue. It was. Before, we, before Jesus paid the price, sin was a big issue with God. Because sin was a barrier that kept us away. There was a barrier of sin. And because of our sinful nature, we couldn't be in, rec- in communion with God. Because he was holy. He is holy. And we couldn't be in, in communion with him. So sin was a big issue. But because of what Jesus did, the sin issue was taken care of through Jesus. Sin is not just suppressed by the cross. It's not just covered over like the old covenant system. Sin is eliminated. It's not just suppressed. It's eliminated. I'm going to share two scriptures. There's so many. This is, not, uh, this is not taking scripture out of context and finding one little scripture to give you this evidence. This is all over the New Testament. But I'm just sharing a couple scriptures with you right now. The first one is Romans 3.24. I'm going to read it out of two translations. Romans 3.24 says, And are being justified, and we are being justified, declared free of the guilt of sin, made acceptable to God and granted eternal life as a gift by his precious undeserved grace through the redemption, the payment of our sin, which is provided in Christ Jesus. So this scripture is talking about the fullness of what Jesus did for us in redemption. We have been declared free of the sin, guilt of sin. We've been declared free of guilt. We have been made acceptable to God 
and we've been granted eternal life. It's grace. It's a grace gift. Undeserved, precious grace because Jesus paid the price. The ransom was paid for what we owed. The price was paid. All judgment was on him. And because of that, we're redeemed. We're redeemed from sin. And then in the next translation, this is the Passion Translation. Listen to this. Same scripture. Yet through his powerful declaration of acquittal, God freely gives away his righteousness. Look at the word his. I just saw that this week. He doesn't just give us righteousness. He gives us his righteousness. As he is, so are we. He gives us his righteousness. We're acquitted. Acquitted means no guilt. Not guilty, even though you did it. All guilt has been removed. He gave, freely gives us his righteousness. His gift of love and favor now cascades over us, all because Jesus, the anointed one, has liberated us from guilt, from punishment, and from the power of sin. We've been, re, the, all three of those things have been removed from us. The guilt, we're no longer guilty. The guilt has been We've been acquitted of guilt because Jesus paid for it for us. The punishment, Jesus took the punishment. We're no, we, we don't receive the punishment that we deserved because Jesus took the punishment we deserved. And we've been freed from the power of sin. We're no longer under the dominion or the control of sin. We're no longer under the power or the control of the enemy. We've been ransomed. We're no longer under that authority. We're no longer under that power. And then Romans 6, 6 says, Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? That old Cindy is no longer alive. That old Cindy before I was reborn is dead. I was crucified. So were you. And we've been resurrected to new life. We have a new identity. Our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power. For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. That's truth. Now, you might say, I don't look like that. I don't feel like that. Then that's why I'm sharing this. Because this is who you are. This is who I am. This is how God sees us. This is our identity. We need to start seeing ourselves as God sees us. Okay, before I I share truth, I want to share two lies These are lies that are very commonly believed. The first one is that, okay, I know that Jesus died for my sin. I believe that. But sin in my life can keep me out of fellowship with God. 
This is lies, guys. This isn't truth. I'm going to go there in a minute. But this is a lie. Here's another lie. I can't get my prayers answered because of the sin in my life. That must be why I'm not receiving my, my healing. I'm just, I'm not believing that. I'm just saying this is a lie that people believe. Or I can't be used by God because of the sin in my life. No. Sin hasn't just been suppressed. It's been eliminated. It's no longer an issue with God. It might be an issue with you. And if you feel like you're out of fellowship with God, that's not God. That's you. God's desire. He's waiting with wide open arms, always. The door to the throne room isn't shut. It doesn't slam shut when you make a mistake or make lots of mistakes. It doesn't slam shut. But it's our choice to go to the throne of grace. It's our choice to run into the arms of our Father. It's, that's what repentance is. It's running to God. We're going to talk more about that later. But this is a lie. That might not feel like a lie. That might feel really real to you. But it isn't. Eternal salvation, I'm going to read the lie again. Eternal salvation is secure if you sin, but you might lose your fellowship with God. You can't get your prayers answered. You can't be used to God. Mm -mm, Lie. Here's another lie. Okay, Jesus paid the price for forgiveness, but it's not a completed work. This is a lie. This is a lie. Jesus paid the price, but... Every time I sin, I need to go back and confess my sin and get forgiveness for that sin. And then tomorrow when I sin, i got to confess and get forgiveness for that sin. That's a lie. When we believe that lie, we are, we are holding ourselves in bondage to sin consciousness. Sin has been eliminated. Sin has been eliminated. And we're holding ourselves in a position of sin consciousness instead of righteousness consciousness because that's who we are. The first time I heard all this, it was like, oh, it, it just flew over my head like, no, 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 that can't be right. It can't be true. But the word proves it is. I believe the word first and foremost, and I'm going to show you truth right now. Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Ephesians 1, verse 7. Ephesians 1, 7. This is truth. I got a lot of truth to share. <laughs> this is good. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In him, in Jesus, we have redemption. We're talking about being redeemed. That is our deliverance and salvation through his blood. His blood was the price that paid the ransom. For our redemption. And that's what it says. Which paid the penalty for our sin and resulted in the forgiveness and the complete pardon of our sin in accordance with the riches of his grace. His grace is pretty rich. And we have received, because of the blood, we have received redemption. And redemption is the forgiveness and the complete pardon of our sin. Pardon means a pardon is an act of officially saying that the, the one who is judged guilty will be allowed to go free. 
with no punishment. Complete pardon of sin. Forgiveness of sin is an accomplished work. It's past tense. Forgiveness of sins is something that's already been accomplished. It's done. Jesus took care of the sin issue all of those years ago, once and for all. I'm going to share a scripture now. It's not on your paper. It's an account. I'm going to share two of them that show something pretty big. What these two scriptures will reveal, the truth that they will reveal, is that the sin issue has already been taken care of. And there's only one, only one sin that will keep us away from God. Only one. And that's not believing in Jesus. So let me read these two scriptures for you. The first account is from the book of Acts, chapter 16. It's, this, it's the account where Paul and Silas were imprisoned. They were brutally beaten because of their faith, because of their preaching, because of their boldness, because of what they were doing, and they were put in jail. After they were severely beaten, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them securely. So the jailer placed them in the innermost cell of the prison and had their feet bound and chained. Paul and Silas, undaunted, prayed. They prayed in the middle of the night and they sang songs to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. You have to be pretty convinced that Jesus was the Redeemer. If in the midst of being flogged and beaten with rods and put in a, the inner prison, and from what history tells us, they were literally in in sewer up to their knees with open wounds undaunted they prayed and they worshiped suddenly a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison and all at once every prison door flung open and chains of all the prisoners came loose that was miraculous startled the jailer awoke and saw every cell door standing open Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself when Paul shouted in the darkness, Stop! Don't hurt yourself! We're still here! The jailer called for a light, and when he saw that they were still in their cells, he rushed in and fell, trembling at their feet. That jailer had to know this was a mighty act of God. And then he led Paul and Silas outside and said, What must I do to be saved? And they answered, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You and all your family. He didn't tell that jailer to confess all his sins and then you'll be saved. He said, believe. In Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, this is the scripture that Jenny opened her Bible to the day that she led me to salvation. It says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you, be- I'm just going to speak this in my own heart. If you believe that Jesus died for you, if you believe that he died and resurrected, if you believe that the miraculous power of God 
worked in Jesus and raised him from the dead. If you believe that Jesus died for your sin and for your redemption, and if you confess it with your mouth, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Did you notice it doesn't say, confess your sins and you'll be saved. Jesus took care of the sin issue. Our part is to believe that he took care of the sin issue. Our part is to believe in the fullness of redemption, including sin has been taken care of. Therefore, it's not a person's many sins that send them to hell. Sin's already been paid for and forgiven. It's the singular sin of not believing in Jesus that sends a person to hell. It's their failure to accept what Jesus did that put them in that place of eternal torment. Wow. You know, I I pray for salvation with a lot of people. I love it. I pray for salvation with a lot of people. I don't ever ask them to confess sins. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say to come to the altar, to get on your knees and confess your sins and cry. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says to believe. Usually when I lead people to salvation, it isn't a time of of guilt and and torment and saying, oh, I got to do this or I'm going to go to hell or I'm a bad, terrible person. Usually when I lead a person to salvation, it is a time of deep passion and joy of knowing this amazing Jesus and wanting that amazing Jesus for themselves and declaring their belief and receiving it. And then I see new life happen in front of my eyes because that's what the Bible says. Well, then, you might say, these are Andrew Womack's words. Well, then, what about 1 John 1, 9? And it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, the truth is we don't have to confess sin in order to be saved or to retain our sin or to maintain our salvation. But what confessing our sins does is agree with God. When we confess, when we miss it, when we fall out of agreement with God, what confession does is bring us back into agreement with God. We come back into agreement with him and his perfect will and word for us. And we fall out of agreement with the enemy because that's what sin is. It's the work of the enemy. And it's us buying in to the temptation, to the world, to the God of the world, to the issues of life. It's us um, being um, calloused to God instead of sensitive to God. When we're sensitive to God, I've taught on godly living a lot. When we're sensitive to God, we run to him. We're very sensitive to, to those sin issues in our life, not that we don't have them, because we may. But they don't, uh, there's a song, I love this song, and I don't, remember the name of the song but one of the lines is there's nothing i could do to make god love me more and there's nothing i could do to make god love me less he just loves us i can't like be super holy and have him love me more 
And no matter how bad I am, he's not going to love me less because he sees me through the blood of Jesus. Perfect. And that's how he sees all of you, all of his children. That's good news. So when I think about confession, I think more about the word repentance. And when I think about repentance, I don't think about crying and feeling guilty at all. When I think of repentance, I think of running back to my father who loves me so much with open arms, running back in to his presence and just pouring out my love to him and receiving his love in return, knowing that he loves me no matter what and knowing that he's always there for me to carry me, to help me, to teach me, to guide me, to approve of me, to accept me. And that's what confession and repentance is all about. So I just want to make this this little statement, and then I'm going to move on to the next topic of redemption. When, and I know I've said this many times, but I'm going to say it again because I want, I want this to be a truth that's so real to you and so, so deeply founded. When we receive Jesus as our Savior, our spirit is perfected. That's the part of us that's perfected. That's the part of us that is immediately redeemed, ransomed, judgment paid, no guilt, no punishment, no more power of sin. It's done once and for all. And your spirit is sealed and ain't no bad getting in there (laughs) ever again. It's perfect. But I also want you to know this. That's one third of us. But the other two thirds of us, our soul and our body, Jesus also purchased. He also purchased redemption for us, for our soul and our body. God has made provision for their redemption as well. Here are two little nuggets. We can experience a renewed mind through his word. I taught on that on July 10th, if you want to look it up on our website. We can, we can exchange old mindsets. Probably some of that might even be happening here or starting to happen right now. But we can exchange old mindsets for truth. Our minds can be renewed Lies, partial truths, whitewashed truths can be renewed and we can have new minds through the word of God. That's one of the ways that redemption of Jesus can be manifest in our, in our mind, which is part of our soul. We can also receive, and this is a healing class, we have the potential to receive healing of our body and of our souls while we live here on this earth. Absolutely. Jesus has provided redemption for us. But we do have a part to play, and most of that is in our believing. And as I teach on redemption, and I'm gonna, this is going to be all next session, we're going to talk on all sorts of things to do with the soul. Freedom from the effects of trauma. Freedom from the effects of woundedness. Freedom from the effects of past hurts. Freedom from the effects of fear. Freedom the effects of... The demonic realm, we've been redeemed from all this. Freedom from sickness, freedom from pain, we've been redeemed from all of that. 
in the soul and the body realm. I'm going to talk about many specific things next week. So although one-third of us is complete at rebirth, Jesus made the plan for all parts of us, spirit and soul and body, to live in the fullness of the redemption that he paid for with his body and his blood. Is that good news? Yes, amen. Okay, here's the second point that I want to talk about tonight. We've also been redeemed from the bondage of condemnation and unworthiness. This is one of those things that many of us hold ourselves in bondage to, even though we've already been freed. We've already been freed. We are no longer condemned. We are no longer unworthy. But we stay in that place and hold ourselves in that place of the lie of the bondage of condemnation or unworthiness. Many times just because we don't know better. We don't know the fullness of truth. So I'm going to share some truth. May this truth set you free. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What a divine exchange. Jesus took our sin and gave us his righteousness. That word righteousness is a gift. It's a grace gift. Free. Undeserved. When we receive righteousness, it simply comes through that believing, comes through rebirth. When we receive our righteousness, we are brought into, listen to this, unbroken fellowship with God. Remember that lie, one of the lies that if we sin, we break our fellowship? Well, you just bought a lie. I bought it too. But the truth is that righteousness means we are reconciled unto God with unbroken fellowship. So we don't need to be distant from God. If we do, it's our choice. He doesn't want that for us. You don't want that with your own kids. You don't want them distant from you. You want them to come to you when they miss it. You want them to come to you with their needs, with their whatever, their problems, when they miss it, when they're messed up. You want them to come to you because you want to do everything you can do to love them and help them and love them back to life. How much more our Heavenly Father? There's no such thing as unbroken fellowship if you have been saved. You are righteous. You are reconciled to God with unbroken fellowship. Righteousness is not obtainable through our own obedience to the law. That means not sinning and doing our best to, to you know, be good. Mm-mm. That's not how we obtain it. We can't obtain it through our own merit, which is being a good person. And we can't obtain it through our works, I remember when Jenny asked me if I was saved, and I used all three of these to defend my salvation. Those exact same three things. I said, well, I've never done any big sins. Like, I, I don't steal. I have never committed adultery. You know, none, and at that time, I was living in a faith that believed in mortal. 
and venial sins. So I didn't do the mortal ones. <laughs> and so I said, so yeah, I, I'm good there. And, and um, the next one is um, merit. And I'm a good person. I'm a good person. And the next one is works. And I, I go to church on Sunday, and I take my kids to catechism. In fact, I even taught in a Catholic school. Yeah, I think I'm good. I think I'm saved. That's not what... That's not how we receive salvation. It's not about us. It's not our own obedience. First of all, there's no way we could follow every letter of the law. Righteousness isn't based on our own behaviors or lack of behaviors. Righteousness is based entirely upon believing and receiving what Jesus has done. So we're talking right now about condemnation. Romans 5.16 says, nor is this gift of grace like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, judgment following the sin from one trespass brought condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift resulted from many trespasses and brought justification, the release from sin's penalty for those who believe. So this is talking about Adam and Jesus. This is talking about the fall of man and the one sin that brought condemnation. Condemnation is a judicial decision. It's a damnatory sentence. And at that point, all of humanity was unworthy. There was a separation. There was a barrier. And all were unworthy. And we were under the power of sin. We were under the control and the dominion of darkness. We were unworthy. We were living in condemnation. That was old covenant. That was also us before we received Jesus. But on the other hand, we have a redeemer. Yeah. On the other hand, the free gift, the grace resulted from many trespasses. That is an understatement. <laughs> many all sin of all humanity for all time. Many trespasses and brought justification. This free gift resulted from many trespasses and brought justification, which is the release from sin's penalty for those who believed. Our part is the believing part. Remember, that's the only sin, not believing. For when you do believe, we've been justified. We've been released from the penalty of sin. Justification is also a judicial decision. It's also a sentence from God, but it's a good one. It's a favorable judgment where he acquits man and he declares us acceptable to him. That word acquittal means to be legally set free of a charge, to be legally set free of the offense. And that word justification equals worthiness. We are made worthy through the blood of Jesus. We are worthy, not because of ourselves. The source of our worthiness is Jesus. So that leads me to Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment. You're not guilty. There will be no punishment. You are not condemned for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
for those who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, has set us free from the law of sin and death. Amen. There's no condemnation. We are not condemned. We are not unworthy. We have been justified. We are worthy. Through Jesus, he purchased our worthiness. So if we have positioned ourselves in bondage, if we see ourselves as unworthy from our past life, from our life that we're living now, if you have a, 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 a lifestyle of sin or a sin that has been ongoing and you say, God, how can you possibly hear me with this going on in my life? If you have put yourself in that position, if you have put yourself in that position, you are inward focused instead of God focused. You are sin focused instead of righteousness focused. And that's actually a subtle form of pride. You might think you're being humble. You might think you're being, um, you know, saying, oh, I'm just not good enough. And, and you're thinking it, you, it's, a, it's a humble thing. Uh-uh. It's a form of pride because Jesus paid a huge price. It says if you're saying Jesus didn't do enough, it's as if you're saying, Jesus, you died on the cross. You shed your blood. You went to hell and you took all my sins there, but I got to add my, I got to pay a little bit of the punishment too. So I'm just going to sit here and feel unworthy. That's to break his heart with the huge price that he paid for you and that he paid for me. I never realized that unworthiness was a form of pride. That makes you look at it a lot differently. When we receive forgiveness, though, when we receive our redemption, when we choose to believe the Bible, the way that God speaks to us through his word, when we choose to believe the fullness of our redemption, then the one who gave us our redemption is honored. He's not honored when we deny what Jesus did by denying our worthiness as his son or his daughter. He's not honored when we live with unworthiness or condemnation, when we live with not believing that what he did was enough. But he is honored when we receive the fullness of his redemption. We're going to do one more song now. It's another song. It's out on the radio all the time now. It's a brand new song by Natalie Grant. It's called Clean. We are clean. We are perfected. We are perfect. We just need to see ourselves as God sees us. That's a huge part of our redemption.